Hello and welcome to From the Trenches, the Business Examiner podcast. This week is likely going to be the most expensive to date for Canadians with major stimulus budgets planned at both the provincial and federal levels. As governments put their recovery initiatives in motion, businesses are still very much dealing with the here and now as they maneuver their way through the ever-changing COVID-19 restrictions. Certainty and stability are critical components of an organization's ability to succeed and plan for the future. And while there is no doubt the government is doing their best to help us through these challenges, there are significant obstacles still to be overcome. Chambers of Commerce have long been the voice for businesses of all sizes, and the need for a unified front in commerce has never been more apparent than now. Leading the charge of the BC Chamber of Commerce is new president and CEO Fiona Famulak, who is now two months into her role stepping in at one of the most challenging moments in the province's history. She talks with us about how the different stops in her career have built towards this great challenge, addresses the external pressures facing many of the province's cornerstone industries, the future of advocacy organizations, and much more. Before the interview jumps off, a quick reminder to keep your eyes open for the latest Business Examiner Victoria edition, focused on all things relating to news impacting capital region businesses and led by a story on Philips Brewing's Benefit Brew Goes Green campaign. The interview with Fiona starts now. So my name is Fiona Famulak. I'm the new president and CEO at the BC Chamber of Commerce. Uh, today is the end of week seven. Not that I'm counting any longer. <laughs> and how are you acclimating so far? I'm, a climate, I'm acclimatizing quite well, I think, having come from the Chamber Network um, you know, years and years previous, it's not completely unknown territory for me. Of course, it's a bigger role. Uh, there's lots of things to learn and there's lots of new connections to make. But uh, overall, I'm settling in nicely. Thank you. That's awesome. One of the things that I took of note going through your LinkedIn, you talked about rebuilding the BRCA. Do you think that is there a component of that in this new role? Do you do you, um, is there opportunities to kind of rebuild or do you see that uh, rebuild as part of your uh, your focus going forward? Well, I think uh, if, if you if I think about my career generally, I've unknowingly challenged the status quo all the way through, not knowing at the time, but in hindsight, I can see that theme. And, and this position will be no different. I think COVID has taught us many things and um, uh, meaning we need each other more than we ever believed. Uh, we need to work together to get things done. And also that we need to do business differently. And I think that's true of, of a small business on the high street. And it's true of the BC Chamber of Commerce. So yes, certainly I'll be taking the opportunity to explore how we can uh, innovate, move the dial uh, as we as we navigate through and, and beyond the pandemic. Awesome. Um, and can you speak to you, what drew you to the role? Because you, you would have the role that you were in was, you know, an awesome industry to be in. It's, you know, the biggest boom, you know, in the, in the history of the province, maybe nation. Um, and, you you know, made a decision to come to, you know, a, a, a significant challenge. Can you speak to what drew you to that? I think when the opportunity crossed my path, the first thing that jumped to mind was, wow, I've been training for this position for the last 12 years, well, really my career, just given my background, but really the last 12 years working in the not-for-profit world has really um, uh, taught me a lot of good lessons. And, and I think the, the most important thing is it, it taught me that I am on this earth to serve. 
whether it's a chamber network, whether it's a construction industry, I am here to help people to succeed in whatever form that takes. So um, I really believe that the last 12 years, both in Whistler and then also at the BRCA, has given me the tools, the experiences to, to help me really deliver in this position. So I feel like I've landed in the right place at the right time with the right tools. And, um, and I'm looking forward to, well, I'm getting to work and I'm looking forward to making a difference here. That's awesome. Um, one thing, and, and you know, you can answer as little or, or as much as you want on this, but you're the first, my understanding, when it, anyways, the first female leader of the Chamber of Commerce, does that play a specific or a, a significant role for you in general as a female leader, or is it just kind of like, it doesn't really, you know, it doesn't play any kind of role and it's just, it's just another day in the job? For me, it's another day in the job. Uh, I don't overthink that stuff. I, I know that I was hired, not because I'm a female, but because I'm the right fit for the position. Um, that said, it's sad but true that the, the career path to senior positions for women, for millions of women across the world, is not clear. And it's very difficult to break through that glass ceiling, that, you know, that next step. Um, and there's also not enough women on board tables, uh, at board tables. You know, many, many uh, have no women at all. And, and many haven't yet reached that magical 15% uh, at the board table, which then, if that is, if that is evident, will change the dynamic at the board table, it'll change discussions, how decisions are made, um, it'll affect um, more collaborative efforts. So, so we have a lot of work to do. So in my role in this provincial platform, if I can, um, if I can affect change in, in any way, and if I can inspire others to step into their roles, and uh, if I can inspire young girls and young women to chase their dreams, then that's what I'm here to do, and um, and, and and very committed to doing that. I love that. Um, can so want to dig a little bit into the chamber specifically here. Do you have a couple of lobbying efforts that you're focused on, kind of in the in the immediate future? Or are you in a role right now where you're kind of just sitting back, getting the lay of the land, still getting comfortable? You mentioned the end of week seven. So have, have uh, the environment right now, John, is not one where anybody is sitting back. Let me tell you, it's uh, it's a tough environment out there. And my job, our job at the BC Chamber is to make sure that we're working every single day for the 36,000 businesses across British Columbia. So, so um, to answer your question, I, I guess there's two answers. The, uh, the recovery effort is not a linear process. The 36,000 businesses across BC are at different stages of the pandemic. Many, many are just fighting to, to stay in business and to keep their doors open. Um, and others have moved through that cycle and are out the other side into the recovery effort. So, so as a BC chamber and as a chamber network, we have 125 chambers and boards of trade across the province. Our job right now is to make sure that for those um, who require financial assistance, government financial assistance, we're making sure that those programs are available. They're easy to access. They've got the right deadline attached to them. They need to be extended if need be. And, um, and if the network decides or, or tells us that there's more relief needed, then it's my job to relay that and work with government to make that happen. So that's the first piece. 
and that's immediate that's right now that's my day to day right now uh, also though uh, focused on the recovery effort and in the middle of 2020 the bc chamber of commerce developed a three-point economic recovery plan which it shared with government and the vision for that plan is to ensure that the business community is more competitive more innovative and more inclusive than it was pre-pandemic. So while we're working on the resiliency piece, we're also making sure that um, the that our advocacy efforts uh, make sure that we're going to be more competitive, innovative, and inclusive. So that to that point, we're looking forward to to the budgets of next week, the federal budget on Monday, the provincial budget on Tuesday, and uh, looking forward to seeing what those two tell us. Yeah, it's going to be a bit a big and expensive week one way or the other. Yes, it will be. <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah, can you flesh those out a little bit? The three priorities you mentioned: the competitiveness, uh, diversity, and innovation. Innovation. Can yeah, can you dig a little bit deeper on kind of? Um, I don't know if you want to give specifics or kind of what you think that's going to look like with within the next year or so. Mm -hmm. So in, in terms of the of the compete piece, we want to make sure businesses are are going to drive the recovery in British Columbia, in fact, across the country. And that will only happen if the, um, if the environment is conducive to investment and businesses are set up to thrive and are allowed to thrive. So from a competitive point of view, we wanna, for example, we want to uh, see the, uh, the PST rebate that is currently temporary we want to see that turned into a permanent fixture uh, we'd like the government to begin a conversation about value-added tax in british columbia we'd like to see them raise the employer's health tax threshold which is currently five hundred thousand, to at least a million ideally 1.5 million so that employers have more cash flow available to them to invest in equipment machinery people uh, apprentices and, and training. So, so that's from a competitive point of view. Um, also, from a competitive point of view, we'd like to see um, them clear the way, you know, clear the red tape around supporting the resource industry, uh, investing in transportation across the province, um, so that we're moving people and goods and services around, not just around BC, but you know, across uh, or facilitating um, movement across Canada in a more efficient way. So that's really what we're looking for. Um, hopefully, the, the budgets will 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 contribute to that conversation next week. Uh, but regardless, we're going to continue to advocate uh, for those kinds of policies because that's what our businesses at the grassroots have asked for. They're telling us what they need and we're turning those into uh, policy advocacy efforts. So that's on compete. In terms of, of innovation, again, there's there's myriad ways that we're looking for government to, um, to innovate. Um, we'd like to see investment in broadband connectivity across the north because we have to enable all businesses, regardless of which corner of BC, we need to set them up to succeed. And given our reliance these days on online business, the importance of Wi-Fi, we need that broadband um, uh, infrastructure to be in place across the province. We'd like um, to see investment or incentives for business to, to move to, to low carbon. Uh, not just because it's good for the climate, of course it is, but it's also good for the for the economy. It it attracts and it drives uh, employment, and um, 
including creating employment for minorities, and that's a good thing. And again, we'd like to see uh, the government invest in emerging economies, such as the cannabis, the legal cannabis industry in BC. There's a lot of red tape around that that's preventing it from moving uh, as quickly as it might. Again, another great industry that would serve um, the economy, that would that would help to, to grow the workforce, create jobs and so on. So we'd like to see uh, more around that. And then uh, on the inclusivity piece, we want the economy post pandemic to be more inclusive than ever before. So of course, we'd like government to prioritize um, indigenous reconciliation. Um, we'd like to see um, commitments to um, upskilling or reskilling the workforce because there's been a lot of fallout as a result of COVID-19 and um, a number, a, a lot of people will need to be upskilled or reskilled in order to fit back into the workplace. And we also want to be attracting minorities and women into the workplace. So let's train them and uh, or reskill them and, and, um, and get them back in there. Things like improving healthcare and making it more accessible, more affordable, uh, so that women can get back into the workforce, um, improving accessibility of buildings, whether it's for living in them or coming to work in them, if they are more accessible, again, that opens up uh, the opportunity for those with uh, disabilities to be able to come into the workforce. So we have a, we have a document, it's called the, the, the three point plan is called Big Thinking for Small Business. Uh, I've been using it as my Bible for the last seven weeks. I think it's an awesome document. It's on our website. And um, for anyone who's interested, they'll be able to access it there. Awesome. I love to hear that too, especially on the inclusion side. There was a press release that went out. I think it was the BC Construction Association. I think there's 57,000 or 59,000 jobs specifically in skilled labor that are that are needed. Yep. for the for the projects that are planned now not including stuff that that will be planned in the future so tremendous opportunities that's right and in particular having come from the construction industry i can tell you that there's a huge workforce deficit there are no, there isn't the people the number of people in british columbia to fill the vacancies in the industry so we're going to have to rely on uh individuals men and women coming in from across canada uh having said that the eastern side of the country is busy is at the same time as BC is, and also immigration. We need to uh, facilitate immigration um, so that we're able to, to have the people in place that we need to build the infrastructure that's in the pipeline. Like these are not uh, dreams. These are actual projects on the books that need to be developed and delivered. And, um, and the workforce isn't where it needs to be. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, I, I appreciate you sharing that. One thing I wanted to ask you about, looping back to the competitiveness side, um, and again, you know, answer as little or as much as you want here, but there's some of our industries within the province, specifically forestry, mining, and now aquaculture that have kind of, that have started to come under fire, starting to have those social license conversations come about. Do you guys at, at the board level and, and yourself in the executive, do you talk about those things about, you know, is it how to address those issues if it's you know a marketing or communications uh, problem or is it is it time to kind of kind of look past it a little bit or because it's you kind of get it all the time especially on the island right and uh, excuse me up in the north any thoughts on that or 
Mm -hmm. No, we do talk about it and we talk about it a lot. And even in the last seven weeks, I've, I've spoken a lot about it with our stakeholders, our partners. Um, so the natural resources uh, associations, whether it's the mining association, the forestry uh, association, um, they have their own specific challenges in those industries. And we will lean into those conversations and help those conversations. I would say that, um, and I know that there's this, uh, I don't want to say divide, that's not the right word, but there is this um, urban, rural uh, argument and, and, and we need each other. Both sides of the economy, the, re the resource and the non-resource side of the economy need each other. The resource side of the economy drives um, all kinds of knock-on effect for small, medium uh, businesses. So we need that to continue uh, successfully in order to drive um, the economy. So, so yeah, we lean into those conversations and uh, support where we can. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's just I'm curious to see kind of how things progress there because places like I talked to economic development from Campbell River last week, and there are two major sectors, right? Forestry is facing extreme pressure, South Island, which has sort of this this cascading effect everywhere else, and then aquaculture through that the Netflix movie. There was some kind of uh, shrapnel that that ended up creating some conversations there as well. So it's you know there's always going to be challenges in business. I know, but mm -hmm. it, when you get a combination of the social pressures, potential misinformation, and then also you know it's just interesting to see because it's we're feeling it right on a on a very local level. Absolutely, and I think you know John, we've spoken about the you know the lessons from COVID, and uh, and I mean what I say when I say that you know COVID has taught us that we need each other whether it's people to people, whether it's business to business, whether it's industry to industry, um, we cannot afford to be in silos any longer. We need to be coming, we need to be finding a middle ground. It's not about people or business. It's about, find, it's, it's about both. And if there are no businesses, there's no employment. We need to be uh, taking care of those who are less fortunate than some of us and making sure that no one is left behind. And that might sound a bit idealistic, maybe, um, but it's, it's, it's really, really important to find that middle ground. It's not either or, it's a, it's a, it's a middle ground that uh, sees business thrive, both resource and non-resource industry thrive. And if businesses thrive, uh, that drives jobs, that drives um, economy and future success. So uh, I think more than ever, uh, we need to come together and, and find that middle ground. Awesome. Oh, that's great. Got a, just a couple more for you here. One of them is just about I, I, maybe a commentary on what you feel the futures of the Chambers of Commerce are. I think at your level, you have a great opportunity because you're so much on the, the advocacy side, which small businesses just don't have the time to be a voice for themselves. Um, but at the local level, let's say like on Vancouver Island with construction, you know, there's three or so different industry associations, whether it's the Home Builders, Uvica. And I think like when, you know, let's say a couple of decades ago, the chambers were it for local advocacy. Do you, what do you see as kind of a way to, or do you think about future-proofing kind of the, the need or instilling or uh, the need for the chambers of commerce in the, you know, the next 30 or 40 years? And it's a great question. And, um, 
you know, having having led a local chamber of commerce in Whistler a number of years ago, I can tell you that a chamber of commerce, regardless of the community, regardless of where it is, is a really important piece of the fabric of the community. It is. It's just it's a pillar of the community. It's the place where small, medium and large businesses go to find answers, to make connections, and also to share their concerns about whatever's happening in business. Uh, hence, the, hence the advocacy um, that comes out of that. And um, uh, a couple of years, well, actually in 2018, uh, we, we started with the BC Mind Reader platform, which is what you see behind me here. And uh, the BC Mind Reader platform is a survey platform that collects intelligence from the grassroots from across BC on anything. Uh, we'll ask specific questions and we, we collect that feedback. We analyze the, the data and the data then informs our advocacy efforts. And that has been instrumental during COVID-19. So I think the role of the chamber as, a, as an important, any chamber as, a, as an important pillar in a community is going to continue because we need to continue to understand what's happening at the grassroots in order to be able to convey that to government. Without that, without that um, mechanism to collect information, relay it through the local of Chamber of Commerce to the likes of us, or even further up the pole to the Canadian uh, Chamber of Commerce. Uh, without that mechanism, we wouldn't be uh, able to achieve or influence government policy. And that's an important piece of, of what we do. That said, COVID again is forcing us to do business differently. So we also, the BC Chamber included, have an opportunity to review how we do business and make and, and be as innovative as possible and, and to respond to uh, the new environment, whether it's you know leverage, leveraging online education, leveraging online meetings, whether it's collaborating with folks that you perhaps haven't collaborated with before, but now is the time because we're, you know, we all have the same goal. We want we want business to be successful, and um, no one ever succeeds on their own. It's always the team that crosses the line. So I think as a chamber, meaning the BC Chamber of Commerce and the 125 chambers and boards of trade, we all have an opportunity to review how we do business and make sure that we have a really clear value proposition uh, so that we are able to retain the members that we have and we're able to attract other members into the fold. Awesome. Very great. I love the the kind of the continual theme of the collaboration as well. That's really nice. We have say. yeah, it has to be. This is this is now we we have to we have to do this. Awesome. I've got three quick ones for you to finish this up. Uh they're just they're personal questions. So one of them is could you talk about personal development, what you're doing from, or what do you do? Could be reading, could be decompressing with the arts. It could be, you know, further education with, for governance, that kind of thing. Um, over COVID particularly, but a few years prior, I, I returned to yoga, the power of yoga and a quick shout out to yoga with Adrian on YouTube. Uh, I love her. She's fantastic. She has 20 minute practices that just suit me perfectly. I don't have an hour, but I can do 20 minutes, I can do 25. And that has really helped me to uh, keep things in perspective, to, to breathe and to unwind at the end of the day, clear my head sometimes. So I do that. I also 
work out a bit. I like to be outside when the weather's good. So that's uh, that's helpful. And I read. I love to read. So um, I I've got and I like business books. I like self-help books because I like to understand how people tick, how I tick and then how other people tick. So um, it tends to be, you know, the Brené Browns and the Simon Sinek's and I've started Michelle Obama's autobiography and and um, uh, yeah, so I just I like to learn about people. It's phenomenal. Great to hear. The best advice that you've received could be per personal or professional. From a long term mentor of mine, and she'll recognize herself if she hears this podcast. Uh, she reminded me years ago, and she reminds me today to cool my jets, meaning uh, take things more slowly. I like to get things done and I like to move. I'm not good at spinning my wheels, but I also have to learn the art of patience. And, and that's an ongoing thing. So she reminds me now and again to cool my jets. I love that. Good advice for me today, actually. <laughs> Thank you. Um, You're welcome. The, <laughs> the last one for you is your favorite restaurant in BC, uh, dine-in restrictions notwithstanding. Oh man, that's a diff that's a difficult question, John, because I'm a foodie. I love food. So it depends on my mood, depends on the day of the week, and it depends on my mood. I would say if it's a quick fix on uh, comfort food, then it's going to be uh, Scoozies on Howe Street. Um, if it's, uh, again, perhaps comfort food with a glass of wine on a sunny day, it'll be the nook over in Kitsilano. And if it's finer dining, gosh, there's so many to choose from. I love Ancora at the bottom of Howe Street, Peruvian Japanese. I love it. I just, I love the ambiance. The menu is phenomenal. They've got an amazing wine list. Just go if you haven't been there. Um, anything in the top table group so that's Chinchin, that's west on granville um that's araxi which is absolutely my favorite in in whistler um yeah it just depends on my mood and it doesn't have to be fancy i'm uh, i love food generally awesome that's so great thank you very much for sharing um is there anything that i did not ask you that you wanted to cover one thing that strikes me, and it's just because we're living it today, is, um, uh, you know, there's a, there was some restrictions introduced a couple of weeks ago to limit in-room dining and, and patio service and so on until we move through a little bit. And, and that has had a devastating effect on, on businesses. And we're very grateful for the feedback that we received from our chamber network that was that we then relayed to the government. And at the same time, we're also very grateful to the government that they moved quite quickly, very quickly actually, to uh, launch the $50 million circuit breaker relief, business relief fund. Um, and, and that's a really good start. It's not the end, uh, you know, given that our numbers are continuing to climb. Um, there's a likelihood that the extension will uh, go beyond April the 19th, we'll, we'll hear on Monday. And I would really, um, I would really encourage everyone who's listening to this podcast, um, and I know that everyone is, is absolutely exhausted with COVID, we're all trying our best, but we're absolutely done with the pandemic, we want to come back together and so on. Hang in a little bit longer, we're almost there. Uh, our vaccination program is, is underway 
and Dr. Henry is really trying to buy us some time by the restrictions so that the vaccinations can can uh, can catch up. So uh, I, I guess to your to your listeners today, I would say hang in just a few more weeks. Um, because if we can get these numbers down, then restrictions will be relaxed and businesses will be able to open again and stay open and we'll be able to enjoy summer 2021. So that's my plea to everyone out there. It's, it's in our control and it's not easy. It's not easy and, and 13 or 14 months, wherever we're at, has been a long haul and businesses are hurting. I, I understand that but we're almost there as well. So uh, I would leave you with that. Thanks for stopping by From the Trenches, the Business Examiner podcast. If you want to learn more about the interviewee, please check the web and social links provided in the video or listening platform description. Please send any feedback to info at businessexaminer.ca with the subject line podcast. We'll see you next week.